Good to have a break? Yeah? Feel happy now? Barry's just been a wonderful servant. Have you noticed he only does it when people are watching? <laughs> oh, hey, from the congregation. <laughs> this thing binds us together. Right, okay. <laughs> no, please, let's not. Oh, that's lovely. Great, welcome back. Thank you for coming back on time. That's great. Uh, now it's my pressure to finish on time now, isn't it? Now, see, that was the, what did it, wasn't it? We'll finish late if we don't get, we'll get back. Don't you worry about that. But uh, welcome back. So the second half of this evening, I hope that's been helpful, the first bit, just to kind of try to lay a bit of a foundation. And I hope you feel a little bit more relaxed. Anybody feel a bit more relaxed, a bit less pressurised to kind of have to convert people that you've not failed if you don't quite get it right? That's the plan. All that in mind, we want to make sure that we're, 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 we're prayerful and we're pushing forward and we're believing God to use us to bring people into the kingdom and that's why on week four we're going to look at that how to lead a person to Christ okay a lot of evangelism is fine line stuff between getting it right and getting it wrong between overbearing and not being bold enough and and hopefully we'll be able to sort some of that out okay Uh, please sit back and uh, watch tonight's exciting episode of Bootcamp TV as we begin to examine in this next half the art of good communication. That shouts far too much when they're on. Who's that? Has anybody got that annoying ringtone, by the way, on their mobile phone? So irritating, isn't it? But anyway, the point of that is we want to get people's attention. We have to get people's attention. If we don't, we're not going to articulate, we're not going to communicate. But there's a fine line between attention and irritation. Have you noticed that? And sadly, the attention which we have got in the eyes of the people outside the church is that what they see, they don't like. We irritate them more than we inspire them to follow Jesus. And that doesn't mean that we hold back from the truth of the gospel. And this is fine line stuff. This is what I'm saying. It's so easy. There's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And I'm not convinced I always get it right. There's a fine line. We want to be bold, we want to be confident, but we don't want to irritate. We don't want to do something that enforces the stereotypical view that people already have of God and Christianity and actually sets them back in the journey. And we think that it's just an, that it's the gospel being offence. No, it's not, it's you. So I want you to examine yourself. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad you could join us. I'm just going to close in prayer. <laughs> So ask yourself the question, be honest with yourself, and I need to be honest with myself. When I get people's attention, am I a good thing? Do I inspire them to want to find out more about God? Or do I put them off? And I think we've got to really examine. Now, all that said, when we get opportunities to share our faith, and particularly share the gospel, we need to make sure that we do that. Communication is hard at the best of times. We're going to be looking at communication Communication is really hard. I know I'm married. Isn't it? Honestly, it's like two people who love each other and are used to being with each other. And yet, it's amazing. Honestly, you would not believe how many times my wife gets the wrong end of the stick. You really wouldn't. (laughs) Easy, easy. She knows I do the cheap gags. Okay. But marriage is ending, divorce, church is split, businesses collapse because of poor communication. 
communication is a really, really difficult thing. And I think often we find ourselves in a place where we can share our faith. And because we've not thought it through, we actually communicate really badly. And we trust the Lord. Well, we're not trusting him very much, are we? Because we make a mess of it. Most of the time when we've shared, we've gone, oh, why did I say that? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, did I get it wrong? And isn't that true? We get the opportunity. It's a little bit of a shock when somebody wants to find out. You could knock you over with a feather duster. And so you kind of don't quite, you garble it out and you think, oh, did I get it? And you just wonder all the time. We've got to be better than that. Now, please, what I'm going to say to you next doesn't mean we're we're kind of uh, coming away from trusting God. It doesn't mean that we're not listening to him. But trust me, if Barry or whoever preaches on a Sunday morning just got up and trusted God and never put any preparation in, you wouldn't have quite the same attitude as you do have to you trusting God. You get fed up very quickly that preparation wasn't put in. True? Because you want content. You want something quality to be delivered. You can be as spiritual as you want. You can be as filled with the spirit as you want, but you will get very miffed very quickly because he's not feeding me. Right? We would. It's a big gripe. He's not feeding me. Maybe they haven't prepared. I don't know. But the truth is, why do we then feel it's okay to go into a situation with somebody who's not a Christian, who we think probably doesn't want to listen to us, and yet we go in unprepared? And yet we would never feel that that was acceptable for a minister to communicate to a bunch of Christians who want to listen that that would be acceptable. So why do we think that it's acceptable when we articulate our Christian faith? So folks, we've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to sit down and think through prayerfully what is it that we want to articulate, what is it that we want to communicate. I I can't stress that enough. Communication is hard at the best of times. So we need to take some time to think about what we say, which is the content. Uh, I I read this story and I love it. A foreign visitor asked a London cabbie to explain the rules of cricket. The following explanation was offered. Cricket. You have two sides, one out in the field and one in. Each man that's in the side that's in goes out, and when he's out, he comes in, and the next man goes in until he's out. (laughs) When they are all out, the side that's out comes in, and the side that's been in goes out and tries to get those coming in out. I'm doing this with brand new very focus, folks. This is impressive. (laughs) Sometimes you get men still in and therefore not out. When both sides have been in and out, including the not-outs, that's the end of the game. Now that is a brilliant description of cricket. It's absolutely spot on. If you know what cricket is to start with. Do you see what I'm saying? Was that that annoying ring then? <laughs> Who spawns that? Ah! Come on, just get on it. No, sorry. I'm in the boot camp. It's rubbish. <laughs> That's brilliant. For those listening to the podcast, somebody's just annoyingly rung, let their phone ring during the boot camp. There you go. Just got to let people involved in listening to the things in on the secret. Otherwise, they feel left out, don't they? All right? So, do you agree with me about that? Though? If, if you already know what cricket is, that's a perfect description. If you don't know what it is, you're probably none the wiser. It might be that you know what cricket is and there's no none the wiser after listening to that. But this is what I'm saying earlier. We, we assume that people already have a knowledge. We might not realise we're assuming that, but by the ways we talk. I was speaking in an event recently, and a particular person talked, it was an evangelistic event, and she talked about 
um, Alpha. But she was inviting lots of guests onto Alpha because you've, you know what Alpha is. That was what she was saying. Of course, you know what Alpha is. No, they didn't know what Alpha is. There's a knowledge assumed. We've got to be really careful what we assume. And I honestly think it's not patronising. I think it's right to assume absolute ignorance. And I was articulating something the other day, trying to explain something to somebody. I was sharing the gospel with them. And and what I I said is, just help me out. Are you familiar with the story of Adam and Eve in the Bible? Are you familiar with that? I just ask, simply ask. No, I'm not. Okay, let me me tell you about these two people called Adam and Eve in the Bible. And you just explain. So just ask. Questions are a really, really good thing. Content. We've got to make sure that we get the content across. But the next thing is delivery, how we say it. It's not just what we say, but it's how we say it. Um, these are good, these. I like these. I, I, I don't know how true all of these are, but these apparently are genuine extracts from church bulletin um, that have gone wrong, where the word arrangement has kind of articulated something different. Yeah, you probably should heard of something like, for example, this afternoon there will be a meeting in the south and north ends of the church. Children will be baptised at both ends. You've heard of that, haven't you? Tuesday at 4 p.m. there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk, please come early. That's a great one, isn't it? <laughs> Wednesday, the ladies' literary social will meet. Mrs. Johnson will sing for me in my little bed, accompanied by the pastor. I mean, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Thursday at 5 p.m., there will be a meeting of the Little Mothers Clubs. All wishing to become Little Mothers, please meet in the pastor in his study. That's a great one. Try <laughs> it. I'm not looking at Barry. Oh, looking at Barry. Just looking at me notes. <laughs> This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Brown to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. (laughs) I've read these millions of times, I still chuckle, I can't believe it. The service today will end with little drops of water. One of the men will start quiet and the rest of the congregation will join in. (laughs) The ladies of the church have cast off every kind of clothing and they can be seen in the church basement on Friday afternoon. Oh dear me. And there we go. This, this is a good one. This is, I like this one. Um, uh, out on the notice board outside of church, tonight's sermon, What is Hell? And underneath it said, Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Brilliant. Isn't it? That's very true of some church choirs, to be fair. To be fair. So it's not just enough to, to kind of communicate the content. We've got to think about how we say it because you can have everything there, but if it's delivered wrong, it actually changes the meaning. Do you see? That's, that's the crucial thing. If we assume a knowledge and we articulate something and the knowledge that we assume a person's got isn't the knowledge that they've actually got, then they immediately pin their understanding of what we've just said. So take, for example, even using the word sin. We use the word sin which readily flows off our tongue. I never use the word sin when I'm preaching evangelistically or trying to share the gospel with people. We almost feel we've got to use it because if we haven't, we haven't expressed the biblical content. But that's not true. You say the word sin, people eat and automatically put their own understanding or lack of understanding on it. So everything you say from then on that Jesus died for our sins, their understanding goes on, completely changes the message. So it's not just enough to think about the content, we've actually got to think about the delivery, the, the, the vehicle, how clearly we get it across. 
So I'm going to do a little test with you this evening. This is where you get to do a little bit of work. What is the gospel? Okay, I want you to spend a couple of moments writing down what you think the gospel is. Bear in mind, there's no right or wrong answers in this, okay? Uh, you, you might have your own slant on it. It doesn't mean that you're wrong, so don't be afraid. It's not like you're going to have to write the word gospel out 20 times because you got it wrong or something like that. But just imagine you were invited to preach the gospel on Sunday morning here at the church. What would you actually say? Just write it down for a few minutes. Just put it in bullet points. What is the gospel? On this particular task, you can confer on this one. Anybody want to offer? You're not wrong, but there's no wrong answers. Yes, at the back there, lovely. A record of the life and teaching and the message of Jesus. Okay, I'm just going to repeat it for the uh, for the audio. Anybody else? Say that again, sorry. Good news. Yes, sir. What Christ has done, is doing, and is willing to do for us. Jotting these out for sermon outlines. Okay. Any others? Yes, sir. Creation, fall, redemption, and future salvation. Could you be a little bit more succinct, sir? <laughs> very good thank you okay any others um, the good news that we can be reconciled to God and have a new life in him that we can be reconciled to God and have new life in him okay now that's interesting isn't it different ones have picked upon different aspects now I dare say if we spent a lot more time thinking it through you'd be able to pull out lots and lots of stuff but often when we're in that situation and we get the quick opportunity we bang something out and actually not one of us has communicated the whole of the gospel message there it's not that you're wrong in what you're saying but there's there's crucial things that have been left out and that's because we don't often think it through so when we get the opportunities we quickly bang it out so I want to teach you this evening first of all content what is the gospel and then I've got a challenge for you which you are going to hate it's the only time hopefully that you will hate anything that we do it's not embarrassing and by the way, I always like to say what we're not going to do on the boot camp is we're not going to turn to the person next to us and share our testimony because I hate that. I hate that with a vengeance and I actually feel it sets me back rather than helps me so I'm not going to get you to do it or the gospel or anything like that. So there's not really going to be any kind of role play situation because I think it's so false. And we're not going to suddenly stop like one church nearly did. We say, right, stop, enough talking about it, let's go out and do it. We're not going to do that because we're here to learn, okay? So we're not going to embarrass you in any way. But we are, I'm going to throw one challenge out and you might suddenly take a dislike towards me. That's assuming that you liked me to start with. I realise this, okay? It's a big assumption there. But okay, let me teach you what I think is the gospel. Okay, God's plan. So write down God's plan. See, I think we have to talk about the fact that God has a plan. Okay, have you written that down? Yeah, no, that's why I said don't look anymore in your book. Okay, but you didn't write it down, did you? You didn't cheat. Good boy. God's plan. They are written down because that's the idea with the workbooks. Everything that's up there is there. God's plan. What is God's plan? God's plan. Now, you can go right the way back to creation. Here's a thought for you. Here's a thought for you. If I say 
that God created the world in six days, which, by the way, I believe wholeheartedly. And uh, I've, I've thought through the whole creation, evolution in great depth. I've chatted with professors about it. and So I've thought this through a lot, okay? So I personally believe in creation. But if I talk about God's plan at the beginning of the world, when he created the world in six days, am I creating an unnecessary point of tension where I can't then go on to explain the rest of the gospel? So that's a thought for us. Are we creating an immediate objection? doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it at some point. So this is what I do. I simply say, I believe when God brought the world about, that he, get, he, he brought it about for a plan, for a reason. And that is that people like you and me have a friendship with him. Okay, so I keep it that simple. If people get into talking about creation evolution, I'll, I'll talk about that. Okay, and at some point I do introduce the fact that I believe in creation but I'm not going to immediately start at that point which is immediately going to create a barrier for anybody who's not a Christian because this may come as a surprise to you but there are lots of people that don't believe in creation lots of Christians who don't believe in creation you do realise that don't you called theistic evolutionists they believe that God used the evolutionary process I disagree with them but what I'm saying is most people outside the church if you say I believe in God creating the world in six days they immediately think you're stupid so why are we creating an unnecessary hurdle so it's a challenge for you something to think through okay so God brought the world about God, you say God created the world God created the world and he created it he had a thing in mind he had a plan for the world and the plan was this that we would know him personally and have friendship with him do you all agree with that so far? Yeah, that's in there. And then I, so then I said to a person, because remember, we want to keep it personal. I say to a person, I believe that God's got a plan for my life. And I also believe that God's got a plan for your life. So it's world, me, you. Not in a judgmental way, not in a kind of waggling the finger way. God, world, sorry, God, God planned for the world, God planned for me, God planned for you. So I'm introducing a little bit of my story. And then I talk about, we've got God's plan, now I talk about our problem. Our problem is this, that even though God's got a plan for our life, so have we. And for the vast majority of us, our plan isn't God's plan. So I talk about the problem we have is that we live life according to our plan. And whether you've noticed this or not, our plan is not working as well as we think it should be. So God's got a plan for the world. God's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life. But there is a problem in the world. There's a problem in my life. If I don't know God, there's a problem in your life. If you don't know God. Next one. Our effort. Now, I want to say something on this. Because do you remember the good old days of EE? Anybody done evangelism explosion? Great course. Okay. One of the things we need to be aware of is that there's a massive shift in the way people view God. You know that. However, we don't often reflect that in the way that we communicate. So in a past uh, kind of um, paradigm, whatever you want to call it, we used to say things like, in our effort, that people put a lot of effort into trying to get to God. Do you remember when we used to say that? And you can pray, but it doesn't get you to God. You can give money, but it doesn't get you to God. You can go to church, and you can do good for people, and it doesn't get you to God. Do you remember when we used to say that? I don't think we can say that now. How we've got to communicate that truth because that truth is there. That's an unchangeable truth. But how do we articulate that truth? 
Because you see, I think we live in a world that feels greater social responsibility. I actually feel quite proud of the world in lots of ways. I see some of the things that people do where I, I genuinely think, I think we're thinking about our neighbour a lot more than we used to do in the world. I really, really do believe that. And if I say to people, you know what, doing those good things, you know, won't get you to get, won't get you to God, they say, well, I wasn't thinking they would. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I want to help them out. I'm doing it because I'm actually a little bit concerned for them. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is what we need to do. You still cover that truth because there will be people who still do things thinking it, it balances out the bad. Okay, so this is what I do when I'm talking about our problem and I get to our effort, but this is what I do. I said, do you know what? People like you and me, we put a whole lot of effort into trying to make life make sense. We spend so much of our energy trying to make our life work. The crazy thing is, God is there to make our life work. And no amount of effort we put in will make our life work the way God wants it to work. Nothing we do will get us to God. Can you see? So we just added a few extra bits in. Just, it's a little bit like stepping back a little bit to connect with a few more people, grabbing a hold of them and moving forward again. Does that make sense? Because we, can't, we shouldn't put the our effort thing as, because people just aren't doing it for that reason. Does that make sense? Are you with me? You're clear on that, yeah? So our effort, okay? Next bit is God's solution. There's nothing that the world can do to get to God. There's nothing I can do to get to God. There's nothing you can do to get to God. So God has come to us. God's solution was Jesus. Now, here's a thought for you. When sharing the gospel, we think a lot about the cross, which, by the way, is bang on. The cross is where the deal took place and the resurrection. But I've often thought, am I selling the gospel short just by simply talking about God's solution being the death and resurrection of Jesus? You see, I believe God's solution was Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. Jesus didn't say, my death is the way. He said, I am the way. And I think... If you look at the gospel and analyse it, it's maybe 10% or so of the gospels talks about the cross and the resurrection. And yet that forms the basis of most of what we talk about in our gospel sharing. So I like to, if I can, and there's not always time, I like to, if I can, talk a bit about the birth of Jesus, talk about the life of Jesus, and that what he did when he was on this planet, he wants to still do today. He wants to still heal people and set people free and let them see that he loves them and cares for them. Then I talk about the death. And then I talk about the resurrection. Because God's solution to the problem in our life, the problem in the world, is the fact that Jesus died and came back alive again. Does that make sense? So talk about the person of Jesus, because he is God's solution. And then, of course, we've got our response, which is, what are we going to do? Are we going to say yes, no, or maybe find out a little bit more? So that, for me, is the gospel. Are you with me on that? Does that, does that pretty well sum it up for you? Pretty well in kind of five, five key points... God's plan, our problem, our effort, God's solution, our response. There are five nice little succinct phrases out there that we can get a mental kind of checklist in our heads so that when we're journeying with people and try to articulate the gospel to them, we make sure we get it on. We don't cram it all in. It might be a few meetings, but just as people begin to journey, and, and I always say, here's one of my other little tip tops, always try to create journey. Never think you've got to do it right there and then. 
try to create journey, try to create the next opportunity with people. So I've got three or four people that I've already said, I'm going to come back. So let me give you an example. I've produced my testimony in a little uh, leaf that I think I've shown it to you when I've been here. And uh, I went to uh, TGI Fridays yesterday. I was having a meal with somebody. We were discussing something. We were having a uh, lunch there. And we got into conversation with the waiter. And we had a good share with him. Okay. Now, my mate Phil, who was opposite me, he's going to get his story. That's part of what we were working on, getting his story into a leaflet. So I gave the waiter my leaflet. We shared a little bit about the gospel. It was a really good time. It was in the right place for us to converse. And he'd read it before I'd even left the building. So I said to him, I said, look, mate, my friend Phil, I'm working on his story now. How about... When he gets it done, we'll come back here again, have another chicken Caesar salad, a Diet Coke, it's all healthy, and he'll give you his story. Wouldn't that be a good thing? And he went, yeah, I'd be up for that. It's created the opportunity. So now we can go back and take it. Do you see what I'm saying? I would try and create some journey with people. And, and for me, that then, it lifts that pressure off, doesn't it, of getting everything in. If we can create the journey. So don't necessarily feel you've got to share this with every single person you meet. Maybe share it on a journey. Sometimes you've got to. Sometimes you know the Lord's telling you, I met a guy on the streets in Loughborough and I just felt in my heart, I've got to give him the whole shamazzle. Or I've got to give him the whole gospel. And it was great because I even challenged him and we led him to the Lord there. That was something that I felt God really clearly lead me to do. Most of the time, I talk about it in bits. Not in bits as in, <coughs> all right. Although sometimes we get in bits, but I talk about it in small parts, in small bits. Creating journey, really, really important. Okay, now, this is not a trick question. Do you believe that God's plan, our problem, our effort, God's solution, our response, that's in the Bible, isn't it? Do you believe that? You do believe that, don't you? Okay, where? So, this is, now, where I feel really bad for saying this, close your Bibles, put your Bibles down. Okay, I don't want you to look at any Bibles. Turn off your iPhone software. Um, it's no good looking on the BlackBerry. It's already crashed. Um, so, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Always going to get the smartphone debate going, haven't you? <laughs> so, um, so, okay, no Bibles. Okay, what I want you to do, I want you to look at those five points. And this is the bit where you're going to hate me, but I can rock and roll with this because there's a point. I don't want you to confer... I don't want you to talk to anybody else. This is purely you on your own. You can pray and ask the Lord and see if that helps. Okay. But I don't want you conferring. Okay. Don't look anywhere else in your workbook. God's plan. Our problem. Our effort. God's solution. Our response. This is the basic message of the gospel. I want you to give me a Bible verse for each one. I don't mind what translation. Full reference, full text. Okay? What a different one for each point. Now, just to take the pressure off, I've only ever had one person give me five. Most people get one. Some people get two. And occasionally you get somebody who's got three. So... Five minutes, that give you enough time? Including your prayer? <laughs> okay, so don't talk to anybody. Now, you probably won't do it, but that's fine, okay? 
So I'm going to give you... I might take you out your misery a little bit before if I'm sensing some aggression building. Okay. So there you go. Five minutes. Enjoy. Just out of, does anybody think they're going to get five just out of interest? Barry, you're going to get five? Is that a confident five, Barry? Do you know what? No pressure, but genuinely, if you get five, you're the first minister ever to get five. No pressure now, boy. <laughs> Is anybody else going to get, or does anybody feel they've gone as far as they can? If you do, raise your hands, because I'll put you out your misery. That was far too keen. <laughs> okay, Barry, is this a confident five? I think so. Oh, that's good. Would you like to... Well, if I, before you do that, okay. Who thinks, who thinks they got five? Full reference. I don't want to... I don't want to... I mean, I take Barry's think so as a confident one. I don't want to think so. Four. Three. Oh, good. good. A good three? A good three? Confident three? So-so. Okay. All right. Two. If you've got at least one, put your hands up. If it's John 3.16, put them down. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Never does it surprise me. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay, Barry, have you got your confident five? Would you like to belt them out for us, good sir? Uh, God's plans, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good and welfare and what have you. Yes. Do you know the rest of that one, Barry? I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans for your, uh, for your, uh, your good and welfare. Plans to prosper you and, uh, yes. I'll give you half marks for that. I believe the full translation is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's the one. But you Bible teachers would know this. Our problem, Romans 23, the wages of sin is death. And Which one, sorry? Roman, uh, the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God. Romans 3.23. Yeah. No, it's not 6.23. Romans 3.23 is... For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. God. All right, so 6.23, yes, you're right. And he got succumbed by his child. Yeah. Hey? Uh, for the effort, by grace you have been saved through faith, it's not your own ways to give to God. You just finished that off in tongues, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> I'll give you 50% for that. Uh, Ephesians 4. God's solution, John 3.16. Yeah. All right. Our response, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. The theological debate is I on I know, whether I know. that's yes, evangelistic, yes, isn't yes. it? But I'm going I'm to give it to you, yeah. all right? So, didn't he do well? Hey! Hey! I'm going to give you like two full marks and the rest of them are half marks. Okay. Did anybody get any others that weren't any of those? Yes, sir. Uh, Give you 50%. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. It's only going to love me and gain himself for me. It's not the one, sir. <laughs> some, some people call me Strongs. 
and uh, he sees, he asks me verses about anything else, and I'm sunk, but I'm all right in the gospel. Okay, yes, sir. He did. Do you know where that is? Very good. I like that one. I use that one because it talks about as many as received to those who believed. I quite like that because it's the receiving and the believing. He gave the right to become children of God. I like that one. It's one of my faves when I'm sharing the gospel. Any others? Our problem. Um, I'll come back to you in a second. Very good. Yeah. At the back again, sir. Very good. Any others? Yes, sir. No, Romans 10 9 is if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But there is an Acts, Acts, Acts 1 that talks about something similar to what you were saying as well. I got the Acts 1, so it's in the book of yeah, that's the flipping jailer, isn't it? That one, not the flipping jailer, the Philippian jailer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Our efforts, Matthew 6:33, That's an interesting one. I've never used that one, but I'm going to let you have that. Yeah. With, with <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yes, with some some of the verses though, uh, and this would be one in case. And actually, so would the Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, uh, which I use by the way. And if you get that one, you get two points because that's two verses. But let me let me let me quote that to you and then tell you why I do something different with that. It says, "For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves; it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." Now the reason I say I do something with that, there's just a few christian words in there. So it would be no good you waxing lyrical about there's nothing that we can do that would get us to God. And as the Bible says, it is by grace that you have been saved. Because it means nothing. So I would still use them and say, you know, let, me, let me tell you this. First of all, I don't call them verses, which we're going to mean. I call them sentences, because a verse doesn't mean anything to anybody. And I don't necessarily say, there's a verse in the Bible, Romans 3.23 says this. I, I learn it because I want to know where I can show them it if I need to do that, especially with other faiths. If you know your way around your Bible, it, they see that you take your faith a bit more serious than they think Christians do, to be honest with you. But if you can know your way around it and take them to it, it's always good to show them it out of the Bible or the New Testament if you've got one. Um, but the crucial thing is any religious kinds of words in there, we just need to make sure that we explain. So it is by grace, that means God's um, loving kindness. That just because of God's loving kindness towards us, we can be saved. That means rescued from life without him but actually invested in life with him so you need to just find some other kind of metaphors about like when you're saving for something you can save for something but you can save something from something so it's just about unpacking those religious words does that make sense so now okay look here's the challenge okay that's bad isn't it don't you, don't you think it's bad that we actually can't really show people where the verses are in the Bible. And one of the great problems we face is culture today is, is a culture that doesn't remember. It just knows where it can find information. And I think, I think it's a bit of an indictment, really, because I, I think there's something really powerful about, about learning Bible verses and being able to use them in evangelism. Now, you say to me, Mark, but my, my brain isn't what it used to be. Okay, let's just say the Lord's Prayer together, shall we? One, two, three. Our Father... Art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us that you should do it, your Anglicans, as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That was very well done. I know there's a few Anglican brethren in here, and I was just seeing who did it best, the Pentes or the Anglicans, but it was good. You all did really well. That's fantastic. Five verses, that. Five verses, and you just said it like that. You did it. Why can you say it? Because you can say it, (laughs) and it's come because you've just said it. So I want to really encourage you. Wouldn't it be a fantastic challenge to go away and learn those five verses so we know them and we know where to find them? And when it comes then to sharing the gospel, I really believe in the power of the Bible. I hope you do. And if I really believe in it, surely the best thing is to get to grips with it and learn it so that when I articulate various aspects of the gospel, then I can actually use the Bible in explaining the gospel. Right, six minutes left. Let's move on to, uh, to, to pick up the last bit. So, content, what to say. God's plan, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's, that's a good one. Why don't you more fully learn the ones that you already know that's what I would encourage you to do don't learn brand new ones just fully learn the ones you know Uh, I think you've got them written down in your things anyway Isaiah 53 verse 6 I like that one we all like sheep have gone astray each has turned to his own way quite like that one because it talks about us going astray turning to our own way Uh, John 3.16 I'll let you have that one back again and uh, John 1.12 which we mentioned earlier so learn those, go away and, and, and really discipline yourself to get to grips with the Bible and learn it. And it'd be, it'd be a fantastic thing to take from this evening to, to be able to articulate the gospel and, and reference the Bible um, in doing so. Have you all written those down? You're trying to. I'll let you write them down because it's part of the learning, isn't it? Is anybody? Is it? Is it me or is it warm? I think I'm going hormonal. I really do. <sighs> me on personal summertime here. <sighs> right. Can we move on? Okay. Great. Last last bit then. So remember the five key words: attention, interest, spiritual concern, application, response. Whenever we're articulating, use the Bible. Let's remember all those things. A few little things that will help us. Say it with words they understand. My wife came home from work one day, face like thunder. She was an information systems consultant, business analyst. Got to make sure I get it right or I'm in trouble. She came in through the door. She opened it first. This is what we did. She came in and she looked at me, face like thunder. I thought, something is not quite right. After years of marriage, I recognised something wasn't quite right. I said, what's up, love? It's a Yorkshire greeting. She said, they didn't QA the baseline. I went, I cannot believe. I cannot believe. Are you telling me? Are my ears deceiving what? Are you telling me that they didn't QA the baseline? She said they didn't. I said, Love, you have every right to be livid. Do you want me to go in tomorrow and say, Who didn't QA the baseline? No, you don't have to do that. I said, You know, love. You know I love you and support you, and I'm not having them upsetting my wife. If you want me to go in and say, Who was it last night? that didn't QA the baseline you've only got to say love and I'm there I'm there she said no it's alright I said love that's okay we'll pray about it we'll talk to the Lord I said Lord somebody hasn't QA'd the baseline (laughs) 
Lord, please help them QA the baseline in future. Lord, I don't know whether this is the first time they've never QA'd the baseline. But please don't let it happen again. In your name. Sharabundus. Amen. I'm going to be really honest with you. To this day, I don't know what QA in the baseline is. I've got a clue. I've got a clue. I've got a clue. And I don't want to know either, because otherwise it'll ruin my story. All right? I don't come up with me now with your greasy little answers. Let me tell you what QA in the baseline I don't want to know. I'll just do that and go, I'm in my happy place. That's all I'll do. Okay? The point is, is when Emma went back in, stood up the following day, said, who didn't QA the baseline? They understood, because they knew the lingo. I didn't understand, because I don't know the lingo. Do you see? We've got to really watch that we don't use the lingo when we're articulating our Christian faith. You know, going back to what I said earlier, we've got so many religious words that we use. And if we don't deliver the words correctly, the meaning changes. Remember I said that to you earlier? So somebody said, preaching on the streets in Devon, this is no word of a lie. A man stood up and said, to become a Christian, you've got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. A woman was physically sick on the streets. Totally, totally true. I'm not, not, not jesting you. It's totally true. Woman, fella goes up to you goes, are you alright? She said, yeah, I can't believe you've got to... I can't believe to become a... Christian, you've got to be... Oh, I can't say it. I can't say it. He said, what do you mean? She said, you said you've got to be... He said, no, not proper blood, not proper lamb. She said, well, what did you say for then? She had a point. If somebody said to become a Christian, you've got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, why wouldn't she think to become a Christian, you've got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Why not just say, to become a Christian and to get to know God, you've got to ask him to forgive you for the wrong that you've done in your life and give your life over to him. I know it's a few more words, but take a deep breath, you can get them out. <laughs> Unbelievable. So let's, we need to drop the jargon. Repented. Repented? Have you repented? What do you mean, have you Repented. I didn't pent to start with. I've never repented. Why we use all these words that mean nothing? You're a sinner and all this. And it means nothing to people. And you know, back in the day when people understood some of those words, it might have meant a little bit more. But even then they'd got a wrong understanding of what they meant. Otherwise they'd have still been with the Lord. Now, people haven't got a Scooby-Doo. Which I've just realised I've used the words you haven't got a clue what I'm on about. Okay. So... so <laughs> It's an illustration, it's deliberate, it's all scripted. Okay, so let's use words that people understand. Say it with the Bible. Use the Bible references. Don't say John chapter 14, verse 6. Because who's John? Who's John and how did he? I know you are, but your last name in chapter 14, verse 6, is it? So, so let's help him just say, look, can I just tell you about this sentence in the Bible? Sentence, all sentence. I understand the word sentence, so let's use words like that. Say it with the Bible. Say it with story. If you can somehow tell a little story that helps people understand the concept you're trying to articulate, it's helpful. So, for example, um, there's a great, lovely little sentence in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, says um, if you keep the whole so not two test ten two yeah no it might be two ten yeah. James two chapter James chapter two verse ten says if you keep the whole law but stumble at one point you're guilty of breaking all of it okay it seems a really unfair doesn't it that you become guilty of breaking the whole law just because you've broken one point seems a really unfair thing to do so you might give a story say for example if um, I don't know if you, if you've ever been pulled by the police and the rest of the time you stuck to the law but you strayed over the speed limit, and on that one um, um, law-breaking act, you deserve to be punished. It's no good telling them how good you've been up to that point. 
It's no good saying how, how well you drove around the roundabout, is it? It's just not good. It, it doesn't help because you brought the law on that point and therefore you, you deserve it. So if you can use a story like that, it helps then to introduce this concept that it's not actually as unfair as we might think. So say it with story, say it with personal story. So if that's happened to you, then share that because basically we're nosy, aren't we? We like to find out about people's lives so the more things we can do like that. Say it with your testimony. What do I mean by that? So you do this little story, if you can use a personal one, that's great, and say, but do you know what, I realised that, actually I was quite a decent bloke, but I realised I'd broken, I'd broken the, the most important thing. The most important thing God asks is to love him with all our heart, and I knew that I didn't do that, and that was enough to stop me having a friendship and a relationship with God, and it's, it's true for you. You, you. You're probably a brilliant person, but if you've not loved God with all your heart, first point is that you're actually guilty of breaking God's law and need God to forgive you. So say it with story, that just helps to kind of uh, make it seem um, a little bit more reasonable. It helps. Remember, Jesus sometimes used story. Sometimes, of course, it didn't clarify things, but he tried to use a story to communicate. And let, let's try to do that. Say it with illustration. Some people like to do these drawings. If you want to do that, it's fine. You can do. I personally don't do that. Um, but if you want to do that, you can do. Okay, a little bit of homework. Learn the gospel with verses and illustration and um, share the gospel in twos. Find yourself an evangelism buddy to help you and, and pray together and share together and hopefully we can become a little bit more effective. I've gone over by two minutes. I apologise for that. I'll, um, I'll work harder and smarter next week. But um, God bless. Hope that's been a help to you, Father. Pray you take all the things that we've learnt tonight and help us become more efficient and more effective. We pray in the name of your amazing son, Jesus. Amen. Good night. God bless. Thank you.